Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Jeremy Jones here. Welcome to episode 13, Look Harder, part three. Oh man, part three. This is kind of sad because it's the last part of Look Harder. And I've really enjoyed talking about the lessons from our eyes from the last three episodes. And it's sort of sad, right? Because I've gotten in the habit of saying, look harder. And, you know, that's kind of fun. And now I'll be moving on from that. All right, I've seen some new listeners join, some of you in Nevada, new listener in Ohio, California, also a new listener in Germany, so welcome and thanks for joining. Quick question for you, will you go to prom with me? Let's look harder at my senior prom, see if there's any lessons in there, lessons about our eyesight. That's the tagline for my whole podcast, isn't it? change your perspective and you can change your whole life it's not as important what you see but how you see it it's not about what's happening in our life what's happening with covid the election our job our studies our business our parenting but how and what we tell ourselves about what's happening the story the cool thing the big reveal ready is that we are the narrator of our lives. The picture keeps running and we get to choose the voiceover. It's like one of those old school silent films and we get to write the subtitles for what's happening. If we are conscious, if we are awake, crikey, ah, what a blessing, how empowering. We can tell whatever story we want. When we see that person or their postings, instead of being like, oh, wow, I'm so jealous. Oh, we can have the same film running and put down there in the subtitles. Wow. Hey, if they can do it, so can I. I'm so inspired by them. It's whatever story we want to tell. Today's scientific lesson from our eye is how many colors does the human eye distinguish what do you think how many colors does a human eye distinguish is it a thousand different colors or maybe something wild like a hundred thousand colors a million colors right the human eye can distinguish 10 million shades of color keep that close All right, button up, time to go to prom. But first, I started high school as a freshman. I was sort of popular, but I had bigger plans. Sure, I was a little moon, you know, looking for what stars I should orbit around, who would like me, who was shiny and bright. And maybe if I orbited around their clicky star, I'd feel better about me. Maybe if I went over and played on their green grass, on the other side of the street, I'd forget about not watering mine, about 
how I talked badly about my grass, how sometimes I feel inadequate and shame myself, about how crunchy and prickly it feels when I walk on my grass, the desolation from ignoring my invisible world, how I keep forgetting to water myself. I had this friend at church. Well, I say friend at church because that's where I drew the line. Just at church, okay? Looking only with my physical five sensory sight. I thought he was goofy looking. He didn't wear name brand clothes and didn't have much style. And not only was he in the school band, but he openly carried his instrument around school, clearly signaling his affiliation. The nerve. (laughs) I'm not proud of this. Not proud of how I treated him. I regret it. Are you kidding me? I regret it. Finally, in the middle of my junior year, I was asked to be a peer youth leader at my church. And I think that was kind of the last straw for him. Honestly, he should have been the one asked to volunteer uh, volunteer as the leader instead of me. I see. Oh, man. I was like damn near saintly to him at church. Hello, my brother. Peace be with you. Namaste. Shalom aleichem. And then at school on Monday, I'd see him marching down the halls, dutifully carrying his music case. Oh, great. That's great. That's great. I think he saw me. He's going to drag down the value of my stock price. Quick, I'd hide around those tall hallway trash cans. Uh, hey, Jones, um, why are you hiding behind the trash can? He'd ask me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, see, I, uh, I dropped something somewhere around here, somewhere, something, uh, whatever, forget it. So quick, what's up, huh? Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. I'd shuffle him along. <laughs> see you Sunday, okay? <laughs> As in Sundays, just Sundays, bud, understand? Sometimes the halls were crowded, though, and I could... Pretend like I didn't really see him. Do you know that feeling when someone pretends they don't see you? Or like me, maybe you've done that to someone. And if he and I had a class together, somehow magically I ended up on the other side of the classroom. So halfway through my junior year, he called out my pathetic sellout behavior. He'd had enough. Jones, why do you ignore me at school, but you're like nice to me at church? He straight-lined me. Oh, had nowhere to go, nowhere to hide this time. I'm still impressed at his courage. Takes strong courage to do that. Wow. From then on, I changed. You know what? And if you remember uh, the story from a few episodes back from the You Won't Like My Podcast episode, it was right at the same time that I had a friend actually ditched me at a house who didn't like me, didn't think I was cool enough, right? And the cooler kids were dodging me. Ah, the nerve, right? I started connecting the dots. And I realized being a sellout, popular fame chaser, that was about as fun and, for that matter, as useful as my trigonometry class. From that day on, I swore off all the clickiness, the status, social hierarchy, slugfest. Forget it. Forget it. Me? Me, I was going to be cool with everybody. 
any day of the week. Church, band, sports, chess, trig, theater, smokers. Look, look, if you wanted a friend or someone to chat with or say hi, Jones was your guy. Man, I was cool with everybody. Trying to see all perspectives. The inner city kids who got bust in, the football kids, the band kids, the church kids, the loners, the tennis team, the AP kids, my basketball team. I saw that no one is better than me. And I'm not better than anybody else. Even, even those cool cats that ditched me at the door. Yeah, I just kept being cool to them too. I went around saying hi to everybody. And for the first time, I had peace. Once I hit my senior year, I was in full stride. Oh, friend to all, enemy to none. Jones was a good guy to have around. No one was shocked more than me when I saw my name on the ballot for prom royalty. Huh? Wow. How did I make the voting list? Oh, that's odd. Well, we turned in our ballots and, and I made the cut to be one of the four. Final nominees for prom king. Wowzer. Okay, so now that you that now that you know you're going with me with, with prom royalty, right? Let's head back in my invisible world to my prom. I remember standing at the 38th floor, fancy ballroom downtown Denver, all tuxes and gowns and corsages. My parents Somehow snuck in through the back, even though I specifically told them to not come. There they were, all snazzy. That always meant a lot to me. I don't think I ever told them that. And now, as a parent, I see they gave up another night to support a stubborn kid who uninvited them. Deep down, I appreciated them being there, but I was just doing whatever I could to downplay this night. The royalty names got read off, and to no one's surprise, the same kid who literally won every homecoming nominee since freshman won the vote. That was it. My 15 minutes was over, like that. Why share the story? And what in the world does this have to do with look harder and the human eye seeing 10 million colors? You didn't forget about that, did you? Mm-hmm. Well, I wish you could have seen me there standing in the lineup, knowing that I was not going to win. I was standing, uh, I was more like swaying up there, looking around at all my peers. I beat most of them for this gig. Most of them wish they were cool like Jones, cool like me, cool Up here, flying high on the 38th floor, straightening my bow tie. Man, what a cool cat. What a cool, sad cat. I was looking harder at all my peers. They read off the nominees. The the DJ in the back was bouncing around. And I was thinking, oh, man, I bet you guys are looking at me thinking you were wishing you were cool. Like me, up here, popular. Ah, might there just be, though, might there be more than what meets the eye? Because the truth was, I was staring back at my classmates, doing my best to telepath them. Guys, hey, I'm so lonely. 
That's why I was sad. I mean, no one ever invited me to hang out on Friday nights or the weekends, right? People love me at class, at school, sure, but I never really got invited to hang out much or go to the parties. I was friend to everybody, but wasn't really part of any one group. And I didn't get invited to hang out after the football games, to get ice cream with someone, to go to a friend's house and to have them make popcorn and chat and get in trouble. Or I went to every football game and I went home alone on most of them. Right. You, you think you want to be me up here. I wasn't smiling. I, I remember that too. I wasn't smiling. Two reasons. One, I was sad. And two, I didn't really like my smile, felt self-conscious about it. My teeth are small, maybe too small, and my look all gummy. I don't know. Yeah, like you, you think you want to be me, but you don't. Look harder. What you need is in you, not me. And I knew all this because when I was chatty with everybody during the week, I'd hear that, oh man, that party was sick. The game was awesome. And I'm not saying, you know, woe is me. Okay, I'm, I'm saying that a little bit. And yes, I could see that I could have done more myself to put myself out there and make some invites and create my own tribe, but I didn't. I kept on being a moon. The point is, don't be so quick to want to trade places with someone you think has it all. What could be so bad about being prom royalty, prom king? Well, prom king runner-up, right? Gee, I mean, (laughs) how long is this episode? And let me keep telling you. I wonder if we were both staring at each other in that 38th floor room, both thinking that the grass was greener on the other side, both not realizing that all we had to do was water our own grass. You know, I picked a prom story, but this happens at any age, right? How about, uh, hey, we don't want our kids playing with their kids. They're a bad influence. See, we we need to kind of dodge them. We we want those cute little nice kids as Pottery Barn playmates. Not little Johnny. Not little Jenny. I mean, freaking Jenny's not even in honors classes. Why would we want our kid to play with her, right? I see myself getting unsettled sometimes, not in balance, Uh, looking around the block, the neighborhood. Oh yeah, feels good. You know, I'm driving the nicest car in the neighborhood or, or maybe you pull up to the family reunion in the Cadillac SUV there. You open the door and the hundred dollar bills blow out from the floorboards. You look back over at your cousins, at, at your relatives. Oh, shoot. Hang on. Sorry. Let me, let me scoop those up real quick. Shut the door. Or wow, we don't want them in our couple's night, right? Our date night, game night. We don't want them on the work project. They'll probably pull the average down. You know? Even when you're older, right? We don't want her in the pool aerobics exercise class. I mean, her dentures always fall out and float in the water. Plus, she's wearing a two-piece and she's 75. I mean, come on, girl. Uh, Might there be just a little more than what meets the eye? 
we don't know what we don't know. That's why I like the fact about our eyesight, how humans can see 10 million different shades of color. We can appreciate the differences we all have, the different shades of color in our family, the ones who aren't like us, the black sheeps, the weirdos, or the ones that just took a, a different path, the different shades of color and religion. And dare I say politics in our communities, we don't have to accept their views, but we can see them. Hmm. Learn to love with all your heart and accept the unlovable side of others. For anyone can love a rose, but it takes a great heart to include the thorns. All right, can we love the thorns and see the thorns? Love the whole rose, not just the beautiful petals. And then from there, we can go to higher levels. We can start going rogue, start going invisible. And we can appreciate not just the differences between the different people in our lives, but even see and appreciate our most formidable opponent, like Gandhi says, ourselves. You, you know this invisible opponent. They say, oh, I want to get rich and have my own plane. But I also want to give a bunch of money to charity. I want to adopt a adopt a, a troubled kid, but oh man, I just I want to sleep all weekend and have no one to chauffeur or cook or clean and just do my own thing for a week or a year. <laughs> I want to wake up at five thirty and do yoga, baby. But I just I'm tired. I just want to sleep in. Or I'm scared to tell people about my new album, my new book, my new business idea to speak up and shine in the meeting. Yet, you know, yet I keep seeing myself up on stage with the bright lights while you are clapping from the nosebleeds. Uh, or I believe in some higher being out there, you know. And, and then sometimes I think, nope, it's just me and there's no higher magic. Ah, yeah, so many different hues of color inside. Sometimes they feel at odd, so we just tune them out and ignore them. But it's okay. With the ability to see 10 million different colors and the size of our invisible house, we got room for everybody. So maybe, maybe we can be more patient and kind to everybody, more kind to ourselves too. It's like the good Reverend Dr. John Watson said, or Ian McLaren as he's known by his pseudonym. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Hmm. Even if you are the lickety-split popular prom king runner-up, or how about a famous comedian who lived with unconquerable depression? We don't know. We don't know. So be kind. All right, let's shift gears and talk about acres of diamonds. Okay, I love this following parable. It's made popular by a guy named Russell Conwell. It's in the show notes, just like everything is. If you want to read the full story or link to his book, it's a pretty cool old book. 
I picked some excerpts from the full story, another summary that I saw, and then I stitched it together with my own touches. Conwell says that he heard this Arabian parable from his guide when he was traveling through what is now present-day Iraq a few hundred years ago. It's called Acres of Diamonds. Maybe you've heard it before, right? It goes like this. There once was a wealthy Persian man named Ali Hafed, who lived not far from the river Indus. The dude was a baller, right? He had 50 Arabian racing horses, herds of cattle, silos of grain, wells of water, a beautiful family, friends who would come barbecue, and acres of rolling land nestled between two mountains. Perfect for farming, hiking, also had a river cutting through it, and Sunday poetry beneath all the trees. It's pretty impressive, you know. Also had a pretty fat 401k too, just saying. You know, he was contented because he was wealthy, and wealthy because he was contented. One day a priest visited Ali Hafed and told him about the value of diamonds. Ali heard all about the diamonds, how much they were worth, what, they, what he could buy with them. He could buy many lands, maybe even a new house with a tennis court and a pool. Well, he already had that, so maybe it was his own jet, a, a Gulfstream G6. So tired of having to share a jet or travel on points, right? I mean, you, you do your own math here for where you're at. But, or maybe he could finally get his own indoor basketball court, or vacation whenever he wants light up his Insta with can you deal with that postings, right? Ah, ah. And you know, this is a scientific truth also. You all know that a diamond is pure carbon. Actually deposited sunlight. And he said another thing I would not forget. He declared that a diamond is the last and highest of God's mineral creations. As a woman is the last and highest of God's animal creations. I suppose that is the reason why the two have such a liking for each other. And the old priest told Ali Hafed that if he had a handful of diamonds, he could purchase a whole country. And with a mine of diamonds, he could place his children upon thrones through the influence of their great wealth. And so, Ali Hafed, he exhaled a long sigh. <sighs> yeah. Hmm, diamonds. He sank into his bed that night, this time a poor man. Circumstances hadn't changed at all, did they? He hadn't, he hadn't lost anything, but now he was poor because he was discontented. And discontented because he feared he was poor. All that changed was merely the perspective in his invisible world, merely his perception, his eyesight. He wasn't any worse off. Then why did he feel so empty and poor? Hmm? That night, the priest was sleeping at the man's home as, as an honored guest. He woke up the priest out of his dreams and said to him, Priest, priest, oh man, <laughs> I can't sleep. Help me. Oh, I just, I feel like such great and spectacular things await for me. I'm destined for the big leagues. Something huge. 
I'm going to do something big in this life. These diamonds, you call them. Will you tell me where I can find them? The priest said, Diamonds? What do you want with diamonds? Oh, I want to be immensely rich. I, I could be so much more than I am today. But I don't know where to go. Well, listen closely, said the priest. If you will find a river that runs over white sand between high mountains, in those sands you will always see diamonds. Do you, do you, do you really believe there is such a river? Oh, yes, my friend. In fact, plenty of them, plenty of them. All you have to do is seek, is to look harder, and you will find them, Ali. Yes, priest, I will go. I will find them. So Ali Hafed sold his farm, sold the ranch, the horses, sold all his stocks, some rentals, collected his moneyed interest, left his family, left him in charge of a good neighbor, and away he went in search of the great diamonds. During fierce sandstorms and beating sun, Ali Hafed traveled to Palestine and then to Europe, then down to Egypt and the North African coast searching for elusive diamonds. Unfortunately, he never found them, right? Ragged, depressed, destitute, and now literally poor, having blown through his fortune. He's afflicted, coughing, wheezing from the stress of losing it all, including his health. The suffering man could not resist the awful temptation to cast himself into that incoming tide, and he sank beneath its foaming crest, never to rise in this life again. Back on the farm, Ali Hafed's successor, the guy who bought the ranch. One day he let his camel out into the garden to drink. And as that camel put its nose down into the clear water of the garden brook, the successor noticed a curious flash of light from the white sands of the shallow stream. And reaching in, he pulled out a black stone, having an eye of light that reflected all the colors of the rainbow, and who knows, right? maybe 10 million colors. And he took that curious pebble into the house and left it on the mantle. I wonder, I'm curious, could this be something? Might there be more than what meets the eye? A few days after that, serendipitously, the old priest who told Ali Hafed had how diamonds were made, he came to visit his successor, wanting to know if there was space at the big ranch for a night of room and board. And when he saw the flash of light from the mantle, the priest rushed up and said, Ah, you've been looking harder, haven't you? Do you know what it is? I'm not sure, but I saw a glimmer and there was many shades of color and I, I thought hey, it might be something. I don't know. Ah, oh, my young friend, here is a diamond. Here is a diamond. Has Ali Hafed returned? No. No, I haven't seen Ali since he sold me this estate. He's lost abroad, I'm afraid. I found this stone just out here in the garden by the white sand in the clear water of the creek while watering my camel in the shade of the mountain. <laughs> 
Very good, my friend. Very good, my young friend. I, I know a diamond when I see it. Then together, they rushed out to the garden and stirred up the white sands with their fingers, found even more beautiful, bigger diamonds than the first. The parable, the guide shared was over. And then the guide said to Russell Conwell that that's where the discovery of the famous diamond mines of Galconda were made, the most magnificent diamond mines in all the history of mankind, exceeding the Kimberley mine in its value. Some of the most famous diamonds have come from Galconda. It's a real mine located in India. So digging and searching, looking harder in his own land, rather than the outer world produced even more diamonds for the successor. Acres of diamonds, in fact. Look harder. That's one of the last times I I get to say that, right? It's so important. Next time you see a diamond, how it sparkles, the prism of the color, how many colors do you see? How many shades? 10 million? See the heart and the depth of people you live with, you play with, the people you work with, people you share a room with or a toilet with, or people you study with. The diamonds? The diamonds are right in our backyard. Diamonds of wealth and health and love, friendship, creativity, mercy, forgiveness, peace, contentment. Be kind, for everyone is fighting a hard battle. Listen, since we can't trade places with someone, we can be smarter. We can stop wishing for that and remember from episode one that even if we had all their beautiful rolling grass, grass that's so much greener than ours, we still have to water it. It takes a lot of water to get to be green like that. And we would still need to work hard to pay the water bill. I don't know many things, but I know that grass can only be green with water. Trust me, I know one time growing up, we hired my brother's friend to water our grass, and we came back from a week-long summer trip, and it was like the Sahara blew through. So, you know, you don't need their grass. You don't need to be like so-and-so and have their business, have their skills, have their talents, have their family, have their money. What we need is to water what we already have. Right in our backyard. And then, and then what happens, my invisible friends? That's right. It's simple. It grows. It gets greener. And maybe it's like the bamboo tree. Four or five years of nothing, and then in six weeks, it explodes 80 feet high. Just, let's just keep watering what we have. Well, listen, this is all sort of airy-fairy, Jones. I mean, show me the hundies, huh? Show me the money, Jerry! Show me, show me a real-world example. Okay, fine. How about we look harder at COVID? Now, three of the single worst days in the stock market, the biggest loss by percentage, were here in 2020. And the worst single day in the stock market in, in history, of course, was in the infamous 1987. But the second worst day ever was in March 2020. Look it up. 
And as the market was tanking and the U.S. was shutting down and many investors decided to sell their stocks, some sell rental properties, better to get something instead of nothing before the bottom falls out of the market, right? And, and we're at the grocery store with gas masks and weapons. And I mean, look, some people lost a lot of money and some crafty people. They did okay. You know, they moved their investment money. They moved their 401k to cash position until the bleeding stopped. And then they put their money back in for their recovery. We were all saying, we, we can't win during this market. We need something else out there, right? We need something in a land far, far away from COVID to make real money, to find some diamonds. I need to, I need to time travel ahead and find something different than COVID to make money in the stock market. Is that true? I thought it was, right? (laughs) Or is it just a mirage? Was it just an illusion? Let's look at Bill Ackman, right? The successful hedge fund guy. He's looking so hard, looking so hard at the pixelated colors. And he sees the figure hiding underneath like that poster puzzle that we talked about. Look harder. And you find what is in the sands of your backyard creek, right under your nose, right in your current circumstance. Bill Ackman, the guy goes out to the COVID backyard, looks harder at the stream. Hmm, this could be something. Right here in some of the white sands, the worst days in the stock market history, takes it out of the river. And now this guy has acres of diamonds. Interesting. See, in February, Bill Ackman was looking so close, he saw the market meltdown coming. So he scooped up huge insurance policies that were tied to $71 billion of corporate debt. He bought insurance policies on these, and the premiums cost him around $27 million. Like he anticipated, the market melted in March. In March. I'm not talking about he made big money in the recovery after. I'm talking about in March. When everyone was losing their shirt and taking losses, Bill Bill made $2.6 billion on that investment. Wow. I mean... I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the same thing I am. Well, listen, that's a bill. I don't have $27 million to make that kind of bet. Okay, I mean, that's fine. But let's pay attention to the velocity, the speed, and the direction. Right? Not, not just the speed, not just the volume. The speed, right? the direction is, that's like a hundredfold return. So if you were to only scrape together just a thousand bucks and put that on Bill's opportunity for comparison then your return on just a thousand bucks would be a hundred thousand. I mean that's that's not a bad day for a thousand dollars. Here's an opposite angle, different perspective. It's a personal example for me. I was chasing this one deal uh, for, for like five years and I kept checking in with this guy and he kept telling me, hey the timing's not right, kept pushing me off. Sometimes he didn't even say any, say anything. And so I'm not a moron, right? I, I stopped calling on the guy. I figured eh, I'd give him some space until he was ready to do a transaction. Meantime, I decided to trek out and travel. <laughs> Look outside of me, search, 
in a land far away that I didn't even know very well. So I'm out there searching around, and then before I know it, a year goes by, and then two. And I'm hunting around a land far away looking for new prospects, looking for an elusive diamond deal. And then last week, (laughs) I'm reading up on a business newsletter, and yep, this guy did a big a big deal with some other company. What? That was my deal. <laughs> Except it wasn't my deal. It had been three years now since I even contacted him. I missed it. And it had been right out in the stream out back. Just needed to keep my eye on it. And now that deal has some new successor. Uh, yeah. It's like... It's like the other day, my son was ignoring all kinds of house rules, not getting his boring stay-at-home Zoom classes done, right? So I, I say, that's it, ma'am. Taking your laptop away. After he served his time and he came looking for it and he's always wondering where dad hides it. Dad, dad, I get it back now. Where, where, where'd you hide it? I grinned. I think he was expecting me to pull it out from the caves in the basement or from the faraway laundry room land son i hid it right next to your bed in the drawer of your nightstand he said i'm not making this up dad dad what a great hiding spot i mean i never thought to look there and it was it was right under my nose this whole time i looked at him and we both laughed (laughs) yeah son i'm using this for my podcast yeah got me thinking what else What else might be right under our nose, right out in the backyard creek of our big house? What opportunities, what breaks can we find right now, right in our current circumstances? Hmm. All right, hopefully you have an answer for that. Let's keep going. A few episodes ago, I mentioned the movie The Greatest Showman, and I referenced the song This Is Me. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it again. This time, this time I want to look at a different color of the movie. Links, as always, are in the show notes, so if you haven't seen it or it's been a long time or you just want to see it again, um, click the link, but... Remember how P.T. Barnum, played by Hugh Jackman, he's running around trying to find and make the greatest show on earth. Uh, This is the great show you'll ever see. Step right up, buy a ticket. You know, he finally gets his circus going, and then what? Then he chases the highbrow crowd with the tuxedos and the wings, the wingtails, and and he gets a special solo singer, and he forgets about his circus family. He forgets about all he's already achieved and created. He forgets about what's in his backyard. He, he forgets about his wife and his kids. And he's just keeps searching for something bigger, some bigger diamonds, right? Something bigger and better. And uh, it's, it's not enough. Yeah? Remember that song, It's Never Enough? All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Towers of gold, are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. Jeez. 
P.T. Barnum, all this success, your family, every opportunity at their fingertips, but it's never, never enough. It hit me between the eyes because, like, I struggle with that, right? Five years ago, I wanted so badly to be where I'm at. And guess what? I did it. I'm here. I'm at there where I want to be. Five years ago, I made it. I got this. I did did that. Wow. I did it. (laughs) Wow. And now I'm here. And guess what? It's not enough. It all burns down for P.T. Barnum. Literally. Fire. He rebuilds it. And then in that last song, the last scene... He does one last performance at the circus. It's the closing song. Um, this is the greatest show. But, you know, everyone's dancing. And then he hands the baton to his junior partner. And he rides an elephant over to the theater. You can't forget that part, right? Riding an elephant to the theater in the snow to see his little daughters dance. What an entrance. And he's sitting with his wife watching the one dance and the other daughter be a tree up on stage. And he realized before it was too late, right? He realizes, finally, he found the acres of diamonds. He found the greatest show on earth. And it was right in his backyard the whole time. And he says teary-eyed. He says what? It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. And it's here right in front of you. Ah, love that part, man. People ask me, so Jones, why do you do this podcast? Like, I mean, you're not even selling anything. It takes a lot of time. I mean, this is a big reason why. See, I want to finally wake up, be visible, find and see and enjoy my acres of diamonds that I know, I know are already somewhere in my backyard. And this, this helps me find it. And I hope, I hope it helps you too. There are so many beautiful colors out there, people, ideas, dreams, and we can see and appreciate all 10 million of them. Invite them all. You don't have to like them all, but we can see them all. And, and keep taking a chance. Keep, keep betting on yourself, Jones, because the world needs who you were meant to be. I need who you were meant to be. We'll see you next episode.